You're listening to the Unshamed Podcast. We talk about important topics that are culturally taboo when it comes to the female body, mind, and soul. We want to break down shame that surrounds these topics so that women can be empowered in their everyday lives. Make sure to like and subscribe and share this with your friends. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Unshamed Podcast. Um, I'm here with a special guest who I'll introduce later, but Unshamed Podcast is all about talking about things that are typically taboo in regular conversation. So um, we like to kind of bring things out in the open and help one little bit at a time sort of do our part to... Uh, dismantle shame culture, and we all have a part to play in that. Um, so Unshamed is sponsored by Zoe Community. Um, we're an Irish organization that empowers communities to support women in crisis pregnancy and connects women to support in their area. Um, so today I have, she's the girl who first endured my husband Blake's pranks, <laughs> um, an amazing human being. My sister, sister-in-law, Sarah. Um, so welcome. Thank you. Um, and it's so fun to have an actual family member on the podcast. I it's really know. fun. And um, so, yeah, Blake is a. He's behind the camera right now. He is a, a total prankster. And Sarah, thank you for taking the heat for however many years. You oh know. my gosh! What would you say the worst? So glad you stepped in. <laughs> <laughs> I take everything. In. What was the worst prank he ever pulled on you oh. that you can think of? The first one that comes to mind, and he probably knows exactly what I'm going to say, <laughs> is when I don't know. Maybe I was like eight or nine. We were home alone, and. Uh, my neighbor friend and I were playing at home. Have you heard the story? I, oh, I think I know what you're going to say. And he, you know, the age of the landline, he called, no caller ID yet, and he pretended to be someone like a stranger, and he was like, I can see you through the window. <laughs> and, I, and I flipped out. And for a while, we hid in the house, and then we finally, like, darted out the front door and down, like, three doors to our neighbor, and we were like, somebody's looking in our window, and Blake shows up at the door, like, a few minutes later, and he was like, it was me. (laughs) I think he got in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Recall yeah, the, he might have gotten in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I feel like he should have. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, sometimes it's some. I've never experienced. Thank God, he he treats me. You know, he. I don't know. But um, <laughs> once he walked behind me, and all he did, I was just doing something. It was really quiet. He walked behind me, and he just went really quietly, like like a chicken and I turned around and actually started crying because I was so scared, like. Oh my gosh. So, you know, yeah, yeah you, you have right. endured a lot yeah. to get to this point oh, yeah, in your life. Lots of scares. Yeah, lots of scares, lots of things. Um, <laughs> but like on a serious note, um, uh, let's get really serious. Um, so w- what you have endured that we are going to talk about on this episode yes. is kind of a painful subject, um, yeah. the subject of infertility. So um, you're here to share your story, your experience with all that. Um, and I'll ask you three big questions that I've already told you about. So okay. you kind of like, no. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of people who are going through infertility right now. Um you're in the thick of it or you've been through it in the past and you might be triggered by some of the stuff we talk about today. So please be kind to yourself. Like we talked about on, on the last episode with Sheila, um, we'll, 
I'm going to talk about those things again that we talked about at that one. If you feel triggered, um, sometimes we have a tendency to get out of our, you know, get in our head and hunker down and just our thoughts tend to spiral. And our psychotherapists who work with Zoe, um, whenever we talk about heavy subjects, we always have a disclaimer of what to do to stay grounded and in the moment whenever we talk about this stuff. Um, so like the last episode, um, I'll go through the ways. So one way, um, and interject if you have a thing that you want to talk about. Yeah. One way is to take a minute and find an object in the room that you find you know, pleasant. Um, like if you have a plant sitting in the room or something uh, like a, your kid's toy, or if you have a favorite thing in the room, just kind of focus on that. It helps you stay right here uh, present in the room. Um, and another way is to plant your feet on the ground, or if you're in a chair with a back like this, you can, oh, probably can't see me because I'm out of the camera, <laughs> but you can uh, press your back against the chair, really feel the chair, really feel the, feel the floor. It helps you stay right here. And then another, the last thing is to grab a familiar object around you that you like. So like last time I talked about my Zoe ring that I have with a little tree on it and it's kind of textured. So sometimes like if I have my hands in my lap, I can just kind of, you know, touch my ring and just know that's a familiar object, a friendly object, something that I kind of like, you know, I feel comforted. So those are the things you can do. Any thoughts? That's awesome. That, but I wish I had no like had practical tools like that for I yeah, I the days even, I was oh gosh really in the in the throes. I wish I had known that stuff too in the past. Yeah. I didn't know any of this no. until we started working with therapists, and I'm mm-hmm. like, you guys are so smart. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so that that's what uh, we always do at the beginning of this stuff. So okay. infertility, you know, it's not one of those topics we were saying. It's not one of those things you would sit around the Thanksgiving table with your family right. and be like, hey, guess what, guys? It's not like a, yeah. a fun anecdote. It's yeah. not great. To, it doesn't feel great to talk about. Yeah. And we it's kind, kind of, of a feel downer. It's a downer. Felt, felt like that when I was yeah like yeah don't want to just bring it up in a right and you can feel like yeah it can feel like yeah Debbie Downer on SNL or you know you're something um but you know it it does need to be shared and you have a right to talk about it um and you are not by yourself either and every infertility story is different and today the space is yours to talk about yours um and everybody you know everybody can experience it differently some people have really big scary stories with mm-hmm. lots of things happening some mm-hmm. people have not too many things happening mm-hmm. and so they can feel like oh mine's not big enough to mm-hmm. share about because we talked about that before you were like oh, i don't know yeah 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 totally i um was telling telling you that i anybody who knows me or talks to me on a regular basis knows my infertility struggle journey Mm -hmm. story because I've always been an open book about it and it's helped me hugely to lean on other people but Mm -hmm. I have always hesitated to just put it out there for Mm -hmm. strangers or even on social media platforms to like people maybe I don't talk to regularly because I think the main reason is because I've worried that um that you know this is my story and everybody's story is totally completely unique Mm. and I think I've worried that if I share my story or broadcast it out there it will come across like I think mine is bigger or smaller than somebody else's um obviously you know this was huge 
um, to me and to Dan and was the hardest three years of my life. Um, but it was big and, and, and it reminds me of something I heard my pastor say one time about how, um, one of our speaking pastors about how no loss is too small to be grieved. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I feel like, well, my journey was actually so small, but, but I grieved it like Mm -hmm. for real. And, and, um, anyway, so I just want everyone to know that whatever you're going through is, is big. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not too small. And so I just, you know, want to preface with that, I guess, and just say, this is my story. And I've, um, you know, thanks for listening to it. And I, but I just, um, know that everybody's story is unique and huge in its own way, Mm -hmm. I guess. Totally. Like I've heard people say like, Oh, you know, I only lost, um, I only lost a baby at, you know, five weeks or something. Mm -hmm. And so I don't feel like I have the right to grieve that. And I'm like, well, you know, what do you feel like you want to do? Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't think people feel like they have the right to do certain things, but yeah, as far as how you feel, you have the right to feel however you feel, yeah. you know? So, yeah. but could you share yeah. sort of from the beginning, like yes. however much you want to share yeah. um, about the story, just kind of how, like how it started and how, how you went through it and how things are going now? So. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, um, my story starts like May, April, May of 2015, and uh, we started trying to conceive after being married five years. We're like, okay, we're ready. Um, started charting charting my cycles, taking the prenatals, mm-hmm. um, ready, actively trying, and um, and you know, first few months didn't didn't work out. I was all I'm a natural worrier, so I was already kind of worried but mm-hmm. I knew that was like irrational at mm-hmm. that point because mm-hmm. I knew the stat it usually takes mm-hmm. a, an average of six months for someone my age or um our Dan and I's age so it wasn't until after six months that I really started worrying oh no this is taking us longer than average yeah. um and it really started getting hard and then after we'd been trying a year really worrying and after that like year mark I feel like it really, really started getting getting hard. Um, we started, you know, seeking medical attention at that point, mm-hmm. and Dan went through all the tests. I went through all the tests. They couldn't find any definitive answer, um, which was encouraging but also frustrating. So frustrating, you know. I remember at the time thinking, "Gosh, they're like so healthy. They're the, they're the, you guys are the people who you'd put like every vegetable in your kitchen into a smoothie and drink it." And I'm like, and all the vitamins. And I'm like, "Whoa!" I'm sitting over there eating a cheeseburger just watching. But yeah, so well, yeah, it definitely was not perfect. But yeah, I felt like I'm a healthy person. Why is this happening to me? Or you know, whatever. But. Um, no definitive answer, but, but my midwife, um, who I had been seeing for all my well woman visits, um, she told me that my blood results came back. My FSH level was moderately high, Mm -hmm. which she explained to me that just meant my body was having to work, uh, a little harder to Mm -hmm. release eggs, which happens as you age. Mm -hmm. It was, she said it wasn't a, you know, uh, really high level, but moderately high. So mm-hmm. she put us on um, a drug called Clomid, which helped my body release an egg, mm-hmm. essentially, to my understanding. And um, so 
we went, I, I went on that. And then second cycle, I got my first ever positive pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. And that was like a year and a half after we had started trying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I was so excited, mostly I, I actually, rather than excited, I would say super relieved and kind of like ah, in shock, but like, is this for real? Mm-hmm. And just like lived with it for a couple days, like didn't really feel real, but you know, and I, I told Dan and we were both just like, Ugh. and then I lost it Yeah, and start, you know, started bleeding, went to my midwife and, um, you know, she, uh, they weren't sure at that point. Um, but later, like later that day, I was yeah. definitely sure. Actually, you know what? That's so I, uh, started bleeding at night and, mm-hmm. and called oh, after yeah. hours and she said, let's give it the yeah. night. And then by the morning, I definitely knew. knew. And that's yeah. when I went to see her. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I saw her, I definitely knew. Um, and she definitely knew and, you know, she was, she was fantastic and was very comforting. Mm-hmm. You know, but I remember getting back out to, to the car and just losing it, crying uncontrollably. And mm-hmm. um, and again, this is one of the parts of my story that I hesitate to tell because it was so early on mm-hmm. and honestly didn't feel very real to me yet anyway. So I yeah. so I cannot imagine I cannot imagine like a later term loss because mm-hmm. uh, um, this was hard enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, mm-hmm. I remember calling Dan. And Dan passed out, <laughs> which I laugh about I, now, I, but I it was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and I asked his permission if I could share this, and he <laughs> said yes. Um, but I, yeah, because I think, you know, I mean, I think he was teaching at the time and was dog tired oh, yeah, it was and hadn't eaten lunch yet. Yeah. But also he, he said he thinks in retrospect, like he was just so relieved to to be done with this. <gasps> and then when yeah. I called him and let him, we're not done with this yeah. journey. Oh. And he passed out. And I just remember hearing, ooh, and like a thud. a thud. And I didn't know if like something terrible had happened at his school. Like, you know, just your mind goes a million places. Yeah, because he was working in a place that wasn't super safe at the yeah, time. It was, it was, yeah, yeah, you know. And so, you know, so I was... It was just a terrible day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he came to and assured me he was okay. He was going to mm-hmm. come home. Then I got home and had locked myself out. Oh. Had to call my dad in tears. Can you come? <laughs> anyway, it's, it's so you know. horrible. Um, it was a tough, it was a very tough day. And yeah. so we decided to take a couple, couple months off and then return to the, to our last cycle of Clomid and with no luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, we're two years in. Mm-hmm. Um, just thought we're just going to take a break. Yeah. That's a long now, time to be anxious. Yeah. It's now people, you know, always say, just stop trying. It's going to happen when you try that well, drove me cr- a- just personally. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that this would drive everybody crazy, but it mm. drove me crazy. Cause it felt like if you don't have sex, you don't get pregnant. Yeah. So how is it's like, yeah. that's what how, it felt like is, to me. Yeah. Like not yeah. trying meant don't have sex. Yeah. And I was like, but yeah. then sperm isn't airborne you know like I'm not married yeah Yeah, like so yeah I know I mean I would be so irritated if somebody told me that yeah I I wasn't the most helpful thing that it's not helpful and it's so irritating because it seems to happen sometimes like I I know people yeah who sort of stop trying and let themselves relax right and 
they actually got pregnant or they yeah a, a couple of people who got pregnant like right after they adopted a child yes, brought it yes. home oh no i'm pregnant yes you know, so and i'm not saying there's nothing to no, it i think no, this no. the sentiment makes sense like but it's relax. irritating but i could not relax i just yeah. couldn't and um so we kept trying but just using natural interventions right. like making sure my nutrition was was right and i mean if i mm-hmm. just was trying to control every every variable Mm -hmm. and it was driving me crazy because I could never be perfect for 28 straight days like that's how long my cycle was I couldn't you know one cycle I gave into that McDonald's that's what did it you Mm -hmm. know or I extra didn't exercise enough or oh this cycle I exercised too much or you know um I didn't get enough sleep or I stressed out and there's just you can't be perfect I couldn't ever be perfect no um not to give away the ending, but I also mm-hmm. wasn't perfect when I finally got pregnant mm-hmm. with my, you know, mm-hmm. so it just, yeah. I thought my friend told me once, like, I feel like you think you have more control than you mm. really do. She's insightful. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, that whole spring and summer, I sought, um, you know, everything from um, just nutrition, supplements, acupuncture, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of you know... Endless amounts of prayer. <laughs> yeah, no, we and, were like praying constantly. Yeah, you know all the back and forth messages. It didn't yeah. work this time. It didn't work. Yeah. I'm like, oh god, god. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah, and it felt like um, uh, I'll move on. I like to explain that the feeling was like a cycle of the stages of grief because because that actually kind of helped me to identify like, this is what I'm going through. And it helped me to explain to Dan, like, this is why we have to rehash the same things every month Mm -hmm. and it drives you crazy, but this is how I'm feeling. I would get that negative test and I would feel like in denial for a minute, like, well, maybe, maybe I'm pregnant. It's just not showing up yet. Right. And then I would, and then it would be more real to me. And then I would, you know, get really angry, like super angry at God and my body. Mm -hmm. And then I would do go through the bargaining, like, okay, well, I'll be, I'll be better this month at nutrition or I'll, I'll pray harder or what, God, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and if I do better then, and then it would go, just go into depression. Sometimes just like a little bit of like one day where I was down and out. Mm -hmm. Um, and the worst, I mean, I remember like a while, like a couple cycles where I just like, didn't, didn't want to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Remembered to asking Dan, like what, what are we looking? I'm not looking forward to anything in life, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. and just feeling, feeling that. And then, and then often I would feel that glimmer of hope again and a little mm-hmm. bit of like, okay, acceptance. It didn't happen this time, but maybe last time. And mm-hmm. ne- I mean, maybe next, next time. time yeah. And, uh, at the time, sometimes that glimmer of hope would feel like God was teasing me yeah. with like mm-hmm. dangling a carrot in front of my nose. But yeah. in retrospect, I feel I feel grateful that that's how he led me through it because I, th- I would have, I think I, I don't know if I hadn't ever had those glimmers of hope, Yeah. even though they were crushed like 35 <laughs> times or yeah. something before, yeah. um, I think, you know, it would have been harder to keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, and then two and a half years in, we still weren't having any luck and then finally went back and got a higher dosage of, of Clomid. We decided to seek intervention again, really which is a whole other yeah. topic. Like oh. we were, had to discuss how much intervention do we want to seek? How much money are we willing to pour into this? Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, we went back and got a higher dosage of Clomid. And I 
did get pregnant the second cycle on that um, on that higher dosage, and that was with Milo, Yay. who's now two and a half years old. Yay. So we got we got pregnant. It didn't feel real mm. for like I did not want to tell anybody for mm. like I mean ever really, but <laughs> especially till thirteen who's weeks. The kid? I st- <laughs> oh yeah, you know I got pregnant so. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, most people share around 12, 13 weeks and I hesitantly did to close family, but really every person I told, I just thought this is one more person I'm going to have to tell if, if I lose, lose him, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then around 20 weeks anatomy scan was okay. And then 24 weeks. And then I started feeling a little more like this is real. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes I thought, man, that, that journey, infertility journey really stole the joy out of my pregnancy. Yeah. Um, but then I would also think on the other hand, I am not mad to be sick. Mm-hmm. I am, I am loving it. I will be <laughs> sick all day, every day. If this baby will stay in me and grow healthy. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. I guess that's the flip side. Mm-hmm. Um, but in today's, he's two and a half and I, yeah. got, and I got another one. Yeah. Nolan. I know. One, so. Nolan who two. is being surprisingly quiet, quiet right for now. the moment. I know. Yeah. Hey, well, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so gosh, that's it's my like, story. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for telling it. Uh-huh. Um, it's like there's just so many, so many things that you probably think about now, even with your kids, mm-hmm. that you're like the whole guilt, <laughs> the perfection thing. Does it ever creep back up in other ways? Like. Meaning you know, like after pregnancy, like when I was trying to control every, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's a bit of just my pers- personality. I like to be in control of yeah. everything. We have matching mugs that say, uh, oh, yeah. hold on, let me overthink this. Yes. <laughs> but actually, oh, it's not dishwasher safe. I found. Mm-hmm. I know. I've, uh, yep. yep. Mine's worn out cause I've worn it. Yes. Use it so Rabbit much. trail. But anyways, <laughs> um, so, okay, so that was the perfect segue to the questions I wanted to ask you. Um, question one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a game show. Um, how do you feel like you were treated by healthcare professionals around you when you were going through this two and a half years of stuff? Um, and is there anything you would have changed about your experience with all that? I, d- I feel very grateful for the people that cared for me. My mm-hmm. midwife um, was very sensitive and the nurses were all very sensitive and I felt like they had gotten to know me well enough by that point. It was mm-hmm. kind of a small practice mm-hmm. um, that I, I never felt like triggered by something she said that was wrong. And I always felt like that she was encouraging, but also like would just sit with me in my grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and acknowledge like, this is so hard. Um, so I felt grateful for that. And, you know, I feel like she was, she was great about, you know, saying like, these are the steps that we would, we would take. How do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. You know, um, we would, we would wait six more months or Mm -hmm. we would, um, we we would go to a higher dosage of Clomid or whatever and gave me a, a feeling like I could choose, yeah. you know, make a decision for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Dan, Dan was able to come with me mm-hmm. <clears throat> every time, which that support, I needed him there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I don't know that there's anything I would change. I feel like, you know, that was great. And the other thing that was great is when I went to get my, during the initial testing, uh, histo, what was that called? Um, the, oh, sonohistogram? Mm-hmm. Where they did yeah, a where they ultrasound and put, put saline. Inject, inject a dye up there just so they can see. Yeah, to make yeah. sure nothing's blocked mm-hmm. and everything's looking. Yeah. Uh, that doctor, I specifically just remember how, um, she would explain everything before she did it mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and told me what the, you know, how I might feel afterwards and was very sensitive and mm-hmm. gentle. And, and then I remember I went that same place to get my 20 week ultrasound with Milo and she mm-hmm. remembered me Oh yeah. and the ultrasound tech did the ultrasound, but she, the doctor mm-hmm. who had done the sonohistogram came in and said, I'm so happy to see you mm-hmm. here under different circumstances. And I know she had like a German accent. When and- you told me you were getting the sonohistogram, I was so excited because that usually helps. It's like after women get that, uh-huh. it seems pretty common that they get pregnant very quickly after having that. Cause it just kind of, Clears things clears out. I had pipes. heard that. Yeah. Didn't work. Didn't work no, in my case. No, no, that was all disappointing. Yeah. But I have heard mm-hmm. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so I felt I felt very grateful mm-hmm. for all of my. That's good. Yeah, because I've heard horror stories about, oh. especially with losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes um, I don't think doctors realize and nurses mm-hmm. they don't realize how they're coming off to mm-hmm. a patient. I know I can look back at I should have done things differently just I was too quick with someone Mm -hmm. and how did I make them feel? Mm Because sometimes things are so just a work a day for Mm -hmm. someone in healthcare that I mean, you're probably exhausted. Yeah. You're tired. You got like four other patients. Yeah. And then you just don't really, sometimes you're not aware of how you're coming off. Sure. And then that person though goes home and and they cry and they think about what you said for days and days. So, yeah, but I'm glad that you had people yeah. who were, like, cool and nice, and yeah. that's good. Okay, question two. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you wish was different about society to help parents going through infertility? And by society, I mean, like, our friend groups, family mm-hmm. circles, maybe TV, anything like that, you know? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, that- I think that was different about society, that you could change if you could change something. Yeah, I think... Um- you know, I was, I was thinking about this question and I feel like that I see more um, transparency about this topic than I did like five years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just because I'm on the other side of it, mm-hmm. but um, but I, fe- I feel like women are more open now and maybe social media helps with that. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes that helped me and sometimes it didn't. It really had more to do with my headspace. Mm-hmm. Like I would maybe read somebody else's infertility journey story and it would help one day, but another day if I were in a bad headspace, it would not help. Cause I'd think, yeah. well, that might not be my story. Right. And what if I don't end up with a baby? I mean, especially after two years, I was like, I need to start really trying to wrap my head around not mm-hmm. having a biological child and mm-hmm. what's, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but well. I do think that society seems to be more open about it now, but mm-hmm. more so just with like women sharing stories with other women. Yeah. You still don't see stuff about it like on TV or in TV yeah. shows or in yeah. movies even hardly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so it does still feel a little bit like isolating when you think about like, you know, um, 
you don't, I don't know, you don't hear about it much on the TV, on TV or in movies. Um, Yeah, the only TV show I can think of at the moment is Friends, that they did an infertility storyline with Monica, but yeah, Yeah, it's not really out there a whole lot. Yeah, the other one was Julie and Julia. Did you ever see that movie? I did. I loved that movie. I did, that was a great movie. Um, (laughs) And um, they, they sort of allude to that Julia Child's Oh, yeah, they do. They don't really come right out Mm -hmm. with it. So I don't know how historically accurate that is. But but the other thing about that, though, is um, because I I had time to think about this question, I thought, you know, one of the hardest, one of the times I felt like like, um, most frustrated by somebody I was talking to about this was when I called my insurance company. Mm. Not really insurance, but like my bill sharing program Mm -hmm. that we're a part of. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I I figure the answer's no, but do you guys help with infertility costs yeah the person I don't remember if it was a man or a woman I guess it doesn't matter but uh was not very sensitive mm. just oh no no we don't do that that's not a part of our plan and I don't know oh, I just gosh. I guess like it's not like they're a, a counselor or a psychotherapist no, so what was still, I expecting but this is the first time you've ever talked to someone <laughs> yeah and it just yeah. I just remember just crying yeah. and um and thinking you know and thinking man I wish that because especially if, if we had had to go then to IUI or IVF, I mean, that's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so pricey. And I know a couple companies that I've heard of that that help mm-hmm. um, offset some of those costs, but most there's just nothing. And I know like Dan's company, we were very grateful if, if and when we ever decide to adopt, they will help yeah. with mm-hmm. that cost, um, you know, but nothing for infertility. And I just thought, I don't know, I mean, that's... I'm sure everybody has a different opinion about that, but I wished that there was some more, you know, there were more resources available for yeah. people who really want to go that route and mm-hmm. can't afford it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be something really good. Society would consider it a real medical thing, yeah. medical condition. Yeah. Um, it's not really, yeah. Yeah. It's not really I mean, acknowledged. that's, you know. Yeah. Okay. Question three. Um, how has this whole experience shaped your opinions about social media sharing with pregnancy, pregnancy loss, all that, you know, how is that? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I'll start by saying I never publicly, publicly shared Mm -hmm. my story on social media. And I think I was just always like we talked about at the beginning, um, and just never wanted, I, I just always preferred to talk to somebody about it face to face because if if their sister was also going through it but had been going through it for ten years, mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to 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 talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But but I will say that other people who shared their stories on social media, like, like two or three, came come to mind immediately. Really helped me through some dark times. Just to think like, um kind of live vicariously through their story. Um, And just to know, like, we're not in this alone. And I feel like I've seen a lot more of that lately. Just, just when people make a pregnancy announcement, Mm -hmm. being, being mindful of like, if this, you know, if this is not where your story has led so far, like I um, feel for you or Mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, people are, seem to be Mm -hmm. sensitive most of the time, but there were definitely, 
definitely times where I would see a pregnancy post and it, just cry yeah. or even, you know, personally have, I mean, I mean, to just to get real personal, like you had Eli yeah. and um, my other sisters in law. I mean, there ended up being about four babies born. Yes, I remember that time. Um, like every year. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Oh, I guess more than one a year because it was mm-hmm. only th- three years. <laughs> I remember four babies born, and I remember by the end, um, you know, Dan's sister was like, "I, you know, I'm going to tell you, Dan, so that you can tell mm-hmm. Sarah in the way you think is best." Because yeah. um, it wasn't like I was mad that you were getting a baby. I was not mad. No, I know, but it's but it just made it just made me reflect on what I was still felt like I was missing. Totally, I remember because um, we lost Zoe. Um, we lost Zoe kind of in August of 2015, yeah. and but we came and and from Ireland and saw you guys. I think at the when you were at that six month point, okay, when you were like, should I do Clomid or not? Mm-hmm. Or you you might have even started it, okay, at that point. Um, and that was when I was trying not to barf on everything because I was so nauseous yes. and I was like oh I don't know like I kind of felt bad because you were like wanted a baby and I was like oh no you know but it's it is hard because yeah 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 because I, because I never I also never wanted somebody to feel like they shouldn't feel joy I know. because of me so I just got off social media That's, and I feel yeah. like you know like uh you were telling me that in in the previous podcast, what she was talking about was, it's like the whatever I was reading, if it was if it was get, getting a reaction out of me, it was like it was it was in me anyway. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't your fault. It wasn't anybody's fault who was posting. I mean, sure, it, it helps if they're a little sensitive and right. say something, but about you know, I don't know, um, being honest about their story or whatever, mm-hmm. but. But it was just like, okay, I'm not in a good headspace. I need to get off. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, I felt like I was, um, I felt like I would get, I would, I benefited more from just per, like personal conversations. I feel like that same thing has happened with me with um, any kind of tragedy I've gone through that people, contacting me just on their own through Mm -hmm. a message or whatever um even though like i I would have shared things on social media Mm -hmm. uh, like the crowd will have gathered around Mm -hmm. but it was like those individual people either face to face or in like a personal message Mm -hmm. that was always my favorite thing i think Mm -hmm. you know because it really i don't know it just felt um like very personal yeah so yeah Yeah, i think yeah so i guess that makes me sort of realize like you know maybe in my opinion it's it's people are going to share what they share and they Mm -hmm. should Mm -hmm. you know um, because it might help somebody um but my job is to decide if when I'm going through something if it's going to be helpful or not Mm -hmm. for me to take it in yeah yeah Um, you're your own filter yeah really and that's kind of goes to show I mean it's really a kind of applicable to any kind of situation, whether it's pregnancy loss or infertility, or uh, if there's just something going on in your body and you feel extra sensitive about a certain topic, mm-hmm. you are your own filter. I'm a, I have no filter sometimes, and everything just kind of <laughs> seeps in. Yeah, <laughs> the whole grounding stuff, like that, yeah. really. 
you know, that I have to use those things because yeah. sometimes I just have no, no filter. But, um, you know, it is hard to what we allow into our minds and, you know, it yeah. affects our bodies, yeah. what we allow in. Um, and it's sometimes harder when it comes to social media. Yeah. All that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And sometimes I felt like, oh, geez, like I should have I should have shared my story because there is this movement now to, you know, to like mm-hmm. be open and mm-hmm. get the, get our stories out there because it does make you feel less alone. But I just remember, I just remember thinking like, and I remember asking Dan, like, I feel like I should share my story, but I feel like it's mostly out of guilt mm-hmm. or, um, you know, like a sense of obligation, not that I actually think because I'm not sure anything like that truly, truly helped me. Yeah. It was the personal connections. And I just remember Dan saying like, which by the way, Dan is like the least millennial person (laughs) at the age of 35 that you'll ever meet. So he's not big on social media. I should preface with that. But he was like, then don't, I mean, don't share out of guilt. Share. Are you sharing with the people that you talk to every day? Are you, are you open and, and inviting people to, you know, uh, to, to lean on each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what matters. Totally. Like real, real face-to-face stuff. Right. Not that social media doesn't matter. It has a place. It for sure has a place, but it's only a launching me, off point. Yeah. And for yeah. me, um, it didn't, it just didn't ever feel quite, quite like mm-hmm. the way I wanted to, yeah. um, put my, put, put my story out. Totally. I think like every little bit in our own little way of how we want to do that, whatever's beneficial for you because if it doesn't feel right to share it with the wider Mm -hmm. public then it doesn't feel right Mm -hmm. and like social media or even this podcast Mm -hmm. it's only a launching off point Mm -hmm. for the real meaningful communication that really needs to happen yeah true yeah person to person um but yeah that being said we'll recap a little bit yeah that um I just wanted to thank you for sharing. Like, yeah. I have heard the story, and we feel like we've lived the story because yeah. we were, you know, with, with you guys. With us, I yeah, know. every step of the um, way. And it's really an honor because, you know, you, you're right in that you have um, how and where and when, you know, you want to share is very important because we always say this with our Zoe teams that um, – Whenever you share your story, a little piece of you goes out with it mm-hmm. and um, it is yours to own. So like that you really do own the manner in which you like tell about what happened to you. So thank you for sharing today. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you sharing, it, it does help empower people to, to realize that they aren't alone because um, just I think more people than we realize are going through this. And um, yeah, they might definitely. be going through it very privately because it it can feel very shameful, yeah. You know, to like there's so many girls like popping out babies, and yeah. it feels like all they have to do is sneeze and they pop out a baby. Yeah. Yeah. And so like yeah, you get to a point you don't want to be pitied, you don't want to yeah. be yeah, you don't want to just I don't know feel, you don't, feel a little like what's wrong with me yeah or, yeah. And it's it's tough when you feel like there is something. It's not something you did bad, mm-hmm. but it's something wrong with you that you feel. You feel that's what you feel like, and it yeah. is not. It's not. No, no, it's nothing you did. <laughs> no, nothing. So we have to be reminded over yeah. and over. It's not what we. It's not. There's nothing wrong with us. We're not broken. Mm-hmm. We just live in a world where things happen. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I want to say what I like a blank happens but we are we have a wide audience so <laughs> but um 
Yeah, we've talked about things that we would change in society, um, people around us, social media, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's tricky, but it's, you know, one person at a time if we can do our little bit. But if you're listening and you haven't gone through infer- infertility or anything, what you can do is, I guess, be sensitive. You know, if you know a couple who <clears throat> they've been married forever and they don't have kids, like maybe don't go, when are you getting pregnant? Right. I think we all kind of know that, but it's helpful to, yeah. you know say it every once in a while don't ask someone when they're gonna have a baby so yeah yeah. um that's a good thing or even like yeah if whatever be mindful of what you're about to share on social media and who's watching Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i have to be reminded of that all the time i think um but uh thank you for listening to us you guys uh join us next time on the unshamed podcast and uh we'll be talking about yeah, we'll, we will be talking about things related to uh, how to help our bodies stay healthier. Either that or we might switch it up and have uh, our special guest, Sheila Harper, come in and talk about uh, her pregnancy loss experience and what she does with her organization. Um, but until then, keep living unshamed. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Unshamed Podcast. Join us next time for another topic that we hope empowers you. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share this with your friends.